This generation under so much pressure Held to a standard impossible to measure Without guys, they suffer No father in sight, uh, no love from their mother Welcome back to another episode of the Liberated Mind Shows. This is week 17. I'm Kay. This is James. And today we're speaking on the topic of no justice for Breonna Taylor. Um, Following the outcome of the murder of her. And we'll be discussing that. So, James, take it away. All right. Thanks, Kay. Um... Yeah, this is uh, another grave injustice. And, um, you know, after all this time, after um, Breonna Taylor um, was killed and being verbally attacked and called a criminal, the system has failed her by charging the one cop for destroying the wall and not for taking her life. So, Kay, do you believe that the payout was a way to try to soften the blow for the lack of justice uh, with the announcement by the Coon Attorney General? Oh, yeah, 1,000%. It's definitely definitely supposed to, I guess, also calm down the supporters of Breonna Taylor in a sense where we felt there was some type of victory. Because when it initially occurred and the word got out that it was one of the biggest um, settlements against the police department, a lot of people were celebrating. And people were celebrating not because of the amount of money, but just based on the, the whole reasoning behind it. You figured, hey, a civil suit, they were found guilty? Oh, man. There's evidence there which is proven that, okay, there has to be in the very least, there has to be some type of um, manslaughter involved. But um, as we come to find out, like a week later, that was not the case. And like, it's just, it's, a, it's another, it's, it's getting old. I mean, I just feel as though it's just another, it's another, grain of salt added into the many wounds we we are now experiencing here in America. It's like, um, what will it take? You know, we, we proposed this question before in the past. What will it take for us to say enough is enough? And it's just, it's just a tragedy. It's like we continuously speak on these sorts of things and we expect different outcomes, but in reality, it's the same exact outcome we're getting. We know how it plays out. It either plays out as the cops, they get indicted, then they go to trial, then they get off. Or they get a grand jury and the grand jury doesn't even find them, find any reason to indict and that's it. So it's like, how many times has there been justice in these situations? And so I just feel as though they definitely threw that out there, I guess, to try and pacify some. But I don't think I don't think any amount of money is is equal to anyone's life, honestly. Now, um, I know there are some that, that say, hey, you know, twelve million dollars. Well, they can do A, B, and C with twelve million, 
But like I say, that's not money that you spend with joy. It's not like you won the lottery or anything. Mm-hmm. That's money that you want to allocate towards a fund within that person's name. And some type of, some type of, um, what's, what am I talking about? Um, not a sponsorship, but just some type of, you want to allocate that money towards something that will generate some type of um, attention to situations like this in the future to where people can say enough is enough and there's some type of support system set up. Even Mm -hmm. if it's dealing with the grieving of a family member that's involved in a police shooting or if it's just um, allocated towards education on police encounters. We, We need this money in places that will prevent these from occurring because we don't we don't have the law on our side to do that so now we have to think of ways in which to enable our people to say okay this is how we can prevent this but these are the steps we must take so i I just feel as though it's unfortunate that this occurred again um i know one friend would say hey it's just making us millionaires. But like I said, I don't see it as it making us millionaires because like I said, at the end of the day, that family's not going to be able to, that's not money you enjoy at the end of the day, especially at the loss of someone's child. And, and the way it went down and the way everything was overlooked, I'm, I'm not even sure if um, Agent 45 even addressed that situation when it went down prior to all this media attention because this occurred Almost six months ago, or six yeah, months ago. around around that time, because it wasn't that it was like it was like back to back. It was like Amar Arbery, George Floyd, and Brianna. I'm not sure what order. I know Amar was first, I think, and then I think it might have been Brianna, and then George, or it might. Yep. I can't remember yeah. the order, but that's how it went. It was like it was like back to back. Man, it's. Like I said, it's just crazy to me because, like I said, when I first heard the news, I was like, I said, damn, that's a lot of money. But then, you know, there's there's always speculation when it comes to settlements. We saw it within the Kaepernick um, case when Mm -hmm. he settled. And then they had that that DNA or what was it called? Do not disclose, Mm D&D. When they have those um, stipulations in there, you know, you never know. Now, I'm not sure if this one included one, but the minute you have someone settle, it's always called a settlement, even if they didn't necessarily settle. But um, the minute this settlement came out, you know, there's rumors of, oh, they took that instead of the justice for their daughter. Some people automatically jump to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So some people may say, oh, you sold your daughter out or whatever the case is. But I don't think that was the case here. And I think that they they definitely wanted justice. But sometimes, if I look at the the other end of the spectrum, sometimes you have to just not necessarily take what you can get, but you need to hit them in their pocket, so to speak. And Mm -hmm. they only understand. (laughs) There's two things they understand, money and violence. Seriously. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, we take your money. Or we break down your city. We burn it up. So 
It's one or the other. And they figured, hey, we'll do this. And you guys just make sure you speak out against the looting and the, um, the rioting. Just make sure you speak up on that, all right? Here's some money. Sometimes it goes down like that. We've seen it. We've seen it play out like this plenty of times. But, yeah, but those are like the only two things these people understand sometimes, man. Right? Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate. Yeah, definitely. No, I definitely agree with everything you said because um, I don't know the way that it all played out. It was almost like the settlement was to try to prevent, uh, you know, the protesting from happening. So they tried to be like a buffer. Mm -hmm. like, okay, let's let's give this glimmer of hope <laughs> to you know. To get everybody calm, and then uh, you know we'll we'll bring the charge out later. But it's like no amount of money is gonna make people not be angry that you charge one of the three cops with shooting a wall, not with shooting Breonna Taylor, but with shooting a damn wall. It's like, where, where is the justice in that? The wall don't need no damn justice. Property is not alive. Hmm. So. Well, I mean, not to cut you off, but that's, that's what it's always been about is property. They go crazy over property. Mm -hmm. Like I said, everything that occurred this past summer with all these killings, people getting shot in the back seven times, uh, people getting kneeled on till they die. All of that occurring and the minute somebody breaks a window of a Target store, that's what people want to scream about. Mm -hmm. Oh, but why are you doing that? That's not helping your cause. Why are we still talking about that? Don't you got insurance for that? Can't mm -hmm. that window be replaced in within 24 hours? Yeah. I want to see you resurrect this person. Make that right. You can't. Ain't no reduce. So it's like the only time you would see them get upset about the death of us is when we were property, ironically enough. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's when our lives was valued. <laughs> I tell you, man. <laughs> trip, man. All right, so let's uh, move to the next question. So, uh, what ways can police be held more accountable to prevent them from continuing to hunt us down with impunity? Repeat that if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, what ways can police be held more accountable to prevent them from continuing to hunt us down with impunity? Well, if they have that impunity, how can they be held accountable? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. it's like you have to remove that element because then I, I'm if I'm thinking like they are, if I basically know I have a license to kill and then you put a restriction on my license to kill and you say you can kill but you better make damn sure it was it was an actual fear and you can prove that your life was in jeopardy. I'm going to think twice about killing somebody uh -huh. if I don't need to kill them. 
And I think that's what's going on now. You don't necessarily need to kill these people for self-protection. It's just, you know what? I'm better safe than sorry. Boom. I know I'm going to get off. Mm-hmm. So if I'm held accountable for the minute I take my gun out, because that's another way. If we were to implement technology within this, right? I think the number of times a gun, that they can track it. There's technology out there that can do so. The number of times a police officer draws their weapon and after they view that, they view those encounters and there should be something that determines what's the percentage of times where this was actually necessary versus not necessary. Mm-hmm. That will be a nice indicator of what type of cop you had and what type of situation this cop will will make in the future when it, in regards to, you know, police brutality versus self-defense. Mm-hmm. Because there are there are police officers that just draw that gun just for the hell of it. Oh, I got to pull this car over. Let me draw my gun. You know what I'm saying? So I think, just to answer your question, I think something like that needs to be implemented. I believe that a first, the first response shouldn't be fatal um, weaponry. It should be something like they say, the taser. You have they have pepper spray, they have tasers, they have batons. So how is it? You there should be levels to it. But I know they always want to. They can play the argument of, well, you only have a split second. Um, policing is unlike any other job because. You only have a split second to make a decision and it could cost you your life. That's what we always hear. But also in the military, is it, is it not the same thing? But we also have something at war called the Geneva Code. But nothing like that is implemented here in the U.S. against its own civilians when it comes to stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Let alone against your, somebody who you deem in your enemy. So how is it against our own civilians? We don't even give them the benefit of doubt when it comes to that. But we always want to go ahead and side with the cop. I think, I think there's this um, illusion that cops are perfect and that they're not human beings and that they're all good people and that they just want to get home to their family. That's what we're told. That's the same narrative. That's, guess what? That person you kill want to get home to to their family at one point too, but they can't. And I think we're always looking at it one-sided. Who doesn't want to make it home to their family? Unless somebody's suicidal, people want to make it home to their family. So I think think one one way is there has to be like, um, they need, I hate saying it, but it's the same thing. We need police reform. We need better training. You know, we've heard it so many times, mm-hmm. but they seriously need that. And it's like, all right, what determines when lethal force is needed? Like what situation, seriously? I've seen videos, even against um, white folks, I've seen it. But, but like I say, the police, it's the way that they're trained. They're always told they're trained to shoot to kill. It's been said in many of these shootings because people will first be like, well, why didn't you shoot him in the leg? Why didn't you shoot him in the arm? Mm-hmm. Because police are trained to kill. 
And I think that needs to change. If you're training somebody, I don't understand. They have to do X amount of hours at a gun range. So during that time, why isn't it, why is everything always a kill shot? Why isn't it shoot to main or shoot to, um, to disable? Yeah, just to disable them. I think that's where it needs to start because I'm not saying that, all right, if you have a weapon, chances are the minute you pull your weapon, you know you're going to have to use it. That's usually how it go. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say if someone's just pulling their weapon all the time, you know they got an itchy finger, and that person does not need to be a police officer, mm -hmm. honestly. If, if a cop pulls their weapon, I think they should use it. I know that may be contradictory to what I'm saying, but I'm saying that to make a point. And I think once that's put up, once that's put out there, if you pull your weapon, use it. You'll have less of these people going for their weapon all the time. These people probably go for their weapon several times during the shift, whereas I know if I pull that, I'm going to have to use it. They'll think about it, and they'll be like, all right, I can't touch that, because I know once I pull it, just like with the recordings, like I said, once you implement technology, once I pull that weapon, once I draw it, I know I'm going to have to use it. Mm -hmm. And is it necessary to use then? Because it'll change the mentality of the police officer. Therefore, guess what? Let me go for my taser. Let me go for my pepper spray. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And most of the times, how many times have you seen a cop by themselves in any type of situation? Even a basic traffic stop, they always radio for backup. Mm -hmm. So nine times out of 10, the offender, we're just calling them the offender or the suspect at the time because that's what they're going to deem them as. They're already outnumbered, at least two to one. Mm -hmm. So why is, why is your weapon needed? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I just think, yeah, they need to. So in close, and, you know, just to wrap up everything I was just saying, yeah, I think they need to implement some type of technology that counts the amount of times a police officer goes for the weapon um, during their shift. And I think also that they need to be trained to shoot to um, disable mm. rather than shoot to kill. I mm. think that's the only way that there can be some type of change. Yeah. What, what, what's your thoughts? No, I definitely agree. Um, because first of all, based on what the legal system is supposed to be, uh, cops aren't supposed to be a judge, jury, and execution. They're supposed to apprehend suspects, bring them in, so then they can have a trial and determine their punishment that way. If cops aren't trained to apprehend suspects and they're just trained to, to shoot and kill, what's the point of having courts? What's the point of having prisons? If somebody, mm -hmm. if somebody is guilty, right, of a crime, just kill them, right? Mm -hmm. so what's, the, what's the point of the system? Exactly. So, on that, along those lines, I think that um, a way that could um, prevent these cops from doing this is if they're responsible for having their own insurance policy. Where every time that there there is a police shooting, they that policy 
has to come into play. And every mm-hmm. time that happens, their premium is going to keep shooting up. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to pay more because they're going to be required to carry more insurance. Right. So if they're forced to if they're forced to have to pay, and this goes back to your point you made, you hit them in their, in their wallet. Mm-hmm. They're not going to want to have to keep paying more and more to, you know, just to be a cop. And at some point, they're going to have a wake-up call and be like, oh, all right, I got to I gotta get this this racism in check. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I got I got I got police the way that in theory it's supposed to be. Police are supposed to, according to the, the, the slogan, protect and serve. So, if they, I believe, if they had to carry their own insurance, that they would be forced to protect and serve. And then that that impunity stuff will be gone because even if they don't get charged with something, they're gonna have this sky high ass premium. Mm-hmm. Imagine imagine a cop paying like five six hundred dollars a month for some for some liability insurance. Well, they they're already claiming they don't get paid enough. Well, that's gonna that's gonna be another reason that they're not gonna get paid enough. You're gonna be, you're gonna be responsible. <laughs> You're gonna be responsible for the bullshit that you pull. Every every like step, every step you make is going, you know, carry consequences. Even if it's not in the system, that insurance mm-hmm. is gonna get your ass. You're gonna you're gonna have a a, a dumbass tax. <laughs> right. I like that. Um, that was just also making me think, like, you know how California implemented that. I don't even know if it's still in existence. That three strikes. Law is that still in existence? I'm not sure. <clears throat> I'm not sure but, either. But um, maybe they need like a a two strikes. Like, how many officer involved shootings should an officer be involved in to where they say, "Okay, you're done as an officer." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like it's it's even hard for me to say. Well. Never mind, scratch that. It has to depend on if it was a justified shooting because they justified was Jacob Blake being shot seven times in the back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's all in perception of whoever is in charge. So mm-hmm. I can't even say a justifiable shooting. So that's why I just think it needs to be a blanket, like maybe two. All right, one one time I'll say, okay, maybe you made a mistake, maybe whatever the case is, as long as a death isn't involved. Like like um down there in Miami that, that time with the social worker, and he had a special needs guy. Mm-hmm. And he was telling the cops, hey, this is special needs. I'm the social worker. And the social worker had his hands up. And the police officer still shot him. And yeah. he's like, you shot me. Why'd you shoot me? The cop's response, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He should have he lost any, any prospect job of being a police in the United States after that. He should have been fired immediately and he should not be allowed to be hired as a police officer. Mm-hmm. Because you know, it's not, ex- what's I'm that? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, you know, with, with cops though, right? 
they're they're like Catholic priests. Yeah. They'll they'll lose their their job as in some big city, and they'll mm-hmm. get hired in some small town. Yep. And that yeah, there needs to be a log. There needs to be a log, a public log, to where you can look this police officer up. But then they want to say it's a safety concern. On the flip side, but somebody that's supposed to be a servant of the people, of the public, the public should have access to, mm-hmm. as far as what their record is. Because guess what? If I were to be arrested, there's a public record. There's websites you can go look me up to see exactly what my record is. So how is it that we protect these police officers? Like they're part of the secret service. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't it doesn't add up. I believe um, that's why people keep saying reform and defunding the police because it's like there's a there's a lot of impunity and immunity involved with these police officers. Like you said, if I know, okay, I screw up here, it doesn't even have to be a small town. You know, I could just go to the next major city. Mm-hmm. I know L.A. need cops. I know New York need cops. You know what I'm saying? And you just go there. You screwed up here. You go there. Well, like I said, there needs to be some type of log because another thing, <laughs> this is off topic, uh, just a little bit. I noticed, um, I've seen it too many times in the Wild Wild. For those who ain't from like the, the East Coast, Wawa is like your convenience store, like 7-Eleven or Royal Farms. So they have coffee. They still give police officers free coffee. And it's an entitlement because I've been there when police officer says, I'm just taking my free coffee today. And then some people don't necessarily go by that. And they'd be like, no, you have to pay for that. And the cop gets an attitude. I've seen it with my own eyes. And I think it's these little perks that that start on this ego where they mm-hmm. feel as though they're above the law and they're above the everyday civilians, so to speak. And I think that needs to be nipped in the bud because once you have a police officer that where the mentality is, I, I am amongst the people, I'm not above the people, Mm-hmm. They'll start. They'll start treating people as people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like that kid. It's like that kid. You give a hall pass. You know, to be a hall monitor, and he just want to go on a power trip. We know it doesn't happen with all, but there are people like that to where they just start power tripping, and they feel, hey, I can do whatever the hell I want. Yo, I'm a cop, and mm-hmm. people want to say that's not the case. But guess what? There's such thing. I don't know if they got them out in Pennsylvania, but in Jersey, they got those little FOP cards, a fraternity of police cards. It's basically a get out of jail card. When I worked in radio, I got a couple of them from police officers happening to go to the clubs and you would let them in. They'd be like, oh, thanks. And they give you that. I literally had this card. They expire. But if you know somebody that's a police officer, they can give you one. And essentially, what it does is when I get pulled over, the police officer starts running the tags or whatever. I don't even have to say anything. I just hand it to him with my license. And then he'll move it. He'll see the card. Oh, who do you know? 
such and such. What police department? Oh, all right. Have a nice day. Sometimes they take that card so you can't use it again or they'll give it back. So we know that, yeah. So we know that you're getting excused from doing stuff. And this is just through networking or being related to a police officer. So how do you, you that transfer of power, just that little bit of transfer of power for that card, let alone someone who's a cop. They know that they can get away with shit. Mm-hmm. Because when I had those cards, I wasn't worried about getting pulled over, honestly. It was like, all right, I get pulled over, boom, I'll show this. Mm-hmm. Some cops still ask you a thousand questions just to see where you got it from. But at the end of the day, they still let you go. Just like, I don't know if you, sometimes you see them in people's windshield where they got that little shield, yeah, that little I'm, police shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Pennsylvania, they got um, special like things that go on a license plate. It's like yep. fraternal order of police. Mm-hmm. And that's all about them saying, hey, don't mess with that person. Oh, he's cool. Let him go. Mm-hmm. That's what all that's about. So we know that there are privileges that come with being a police officer, but they want to make it sound as if that's not the case. And like we said, we, we know they. this is where that attitude of I am the law comes into play. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think once we reprogram that thinking, Maybe then you can have actual police officers that police the right way. I know there's no perfect scenario, but I'm saying these are the things, these are the tangible things that we can correct as a society when it comes to our policing. But first, we have to see it as a national problem and not just a black problem. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely, because... um um, like you said, when you touched on defunding the police, a lot of people, they hear defund and they automatically say, oh, you're taking money away. So it's not going to, it's not going to be any cops. No, defunding the police just means that the cops will be able to focus on things that they were actually trained to handle mm-hmm. where they won't have to go to domestic calls. They won't have to try to be psychologists. They might. They won't have to encounter um, anyone like they did down in Miami when they shot the um, the aide to the special needs person. They wouldn't be involved in those situations. They would have different people that were specialists in those areas handle that. So they won't have to be everything. They would just have to be cops. So, all right. So all right, and with the with the. I've heard this this argument before with the defunding of police and then people bring up the social work aspect. But working as a case manager back in the day, I've gone into neighborhoods where people were showing me their guns, like, what you doing around here? Like Strawberry Mansion. I had to go on one of the projects there at one time to go to this one client. And the boys on the block Basically, was just like looking at me. I mean, at the time, I was like 25, had braids or whatever. But at the same time, I was still dressed up in a business casual manner. Mm-hmm. And I've had situations where not the client, but the people outside the client's house wouldn't allow me to go there or figure out what's your business here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, at that point, if there's an issue with my client, 
what is it, who would you call in that situation? Because when people are saying the police shouldn't be called for certain situations, you're saying it should be a social worker involved in that situation. But what happens if the social worker, the social worker ain't got no weapon unless you mm -hmm. allow certain social workers to have weapons because there are situations, especially when people are going, like a DHS situation, when people are going to retrieve a child from an abusive home, mm -hmm. we, know, we know that can sometimes end up in death of somebody. So what are the, is, it's not a direct question to you, it's just a general question. What are the policies involved in a situation such as that? Because they're saying, oh, the police aren't. I, here, you know what? I think I just thought of my answer. Never mind. So, and this, this whole case is all right. So, with the funded police, it sounds like they're saying, all right, this person doesn't specialize in, in social work. Therefore, this police isn't necessary for this because this is a social worker type situation. Mm -hmm. But shouldn't the police have social workers that became police? Therefore, they know that background and how to handle that situation. I mean, ideally, yeah. Ideally, I would believe that if you're going to handle all these different situations, that it should be like that. But the problem is that with, is that with police, a lot of them aren't trained in these different areas. Mm -hmm. So they don't know how to respond accurately. And that's why things get escalated. And what I think with defunding the police, it's not that the police won't get called. The police may still get called and go out to the to whatever's going on and assess the situation. Mm. And then once the situation is assessed, the specialist comes in and actually handles the situation. It's like a handoff thing. That's what that's what I believe defunding the police involves, where it's like more of a team. So where's the defunding in that though? Because they would say, well, the police were still called to that situation. You see what I'm saying? Because they're not the police aren't handling the situation from beginning to end. They're like assessing the situation where like, if, let's say 911 is called, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not those bullshit Trump commercials where by, oh, the police will be back in two weeks. The police, <laughs> the police will still be there. So <laughs> the police will still get called out to the situation. It's just that they won't have to deal with the entire situation. So like right now, if you call a police officer for a domestic dispute incident, right? Okay. They're going to get called out. They're going to have to sit there and listen to both parties. And then they're going to have to determine who has to leave or if somebody has to go to jail. Okay. In a different kind of environment, the police get called out and they'll determine, oh, this is a domestic dispute. Call it in. They'll send out the specialist who handles that. They'll hand it off. The cop will go. Once the situation is seen that, you know what I'm saying, it's not violent mm -hmm. or anything like beyond like any weapons or anything like that, they'll hand it off. Cop will go. And then the specialist can handle it. I see. Hmm. That's interesting. Like I said, I've always heard it. Um, 
I always heard it when it pertains to social work specifically. That's the example I've always heard. Mm-hmm. So I was just like wondering exactly how that would um, work out in a in real life. Like I said, when people kept talking of defunding, I know that they're talking about like when I think I'm defunding, I'm thinking of like maybe traffic traffic cops. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Traffic guards. To where I, I don't understand why you'd be paying a police salary for that. Or like at the high school down the street from me, the police are there every morning conducting traffic this way or that way. The buses, yeah, you can go in now. Everybody else holds up. And I'm thinking, why are you paying a police salary when all you need to do is put a crossing guard there and a crossing guard do that? Yeah, those, you know are, what I mean? yeah, those are areas too. Where yeah. police will be pulled from, they wouldn't be. Well, they've been they've already started like pulling police from schools, inside of schools and stuff because of incidents that can happen. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's another area. I think that's over policing. Having a police officer sitting their whole shift in a high school. Mm-hmm. Every high school. Right, I'm not trying to sound insensitive or ignorant, but every high school does not have a a shooting threat you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and in the case what the hell is one police officer going to do like the shooter's going to have common sense oh the police officer is on that side of the hall i know not just do my shit down there exactly. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so i think it's a waste of money it's a waste of resource to have a, one police officer on site mm-hmm. i think they're better off with the with training and learning to barricade themselves in a the room mm-hmm. you know what i mean so yeah, I definitely get that. Um, I'm trying to think of where else you could pull a police officer from, where where it's like a wasted resource. I guess I don't know how I don't know how much of a difference a, a cop walking the beat makes, honestly. Because like I said, the presence of a police officer once people start knowing their routine. They know, okay, don't do it at this time here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think, yeah. And my in my township over here in Jersey, the mayor, he he's a lunatic. (laughs) 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 I can't even be nice about it. And I say that because um if you were to Google it, you would see. Literally, the police, they have like an armored truck. It's all, it's black. It's a black armored truck. It's big as shit. And it's got like the little slots where they can put the guns out and everything. Like, that's where all his money goes into, the police, into everything. Their vehicles. They got all these Ford Explorers, black tinted out, souped up, all this shit. Mm -hmm. But it's like. Is all that really necessary? Like, what are you waiting on? Like, what are you waiting for? You know what I mean? All that, so, all that stuff will go away too. That military stuff. Yeah, all that, militarizing all that stuff will be gone. Yeah, all that stuff will be gone too if they defund them too. Because first of all, I don't think they need it. I don't no. think I don't think cops should have military weapons. What's it for? Especially in small towns. What the hell are you expecting? Yeah, exactly. Like, they couldn't even do... Isn't that what you have the... um? 
the SWAT team's for. Mm-hmm. You calling the SWAT team. So, man, that's got me thinking now. This a, they need to lower my taxes, man. I'm going to say, well, what the hell is the SWAT team for? Yeah, for real. It's crazy, <laughs> man. It is. It's crazy. Yeah. This is um the segue from the topic, but not really. Um, do you notice like the trend of like racist blaming slash criminalizing our people who are gunned down while being unarmed? And um if so, like what is your message to them or is it pointless to say anything to these people? Um I mean, I believe it's, I feel both ways. I feel like um, my message to them would be like two words, F you, and then <laughs> um, pretty much. I mean, I, I really don't have anything to say to them. And then it's like, why waste your breath on them mm-hmm. at the same time? It's because we know, like, we've seen the hypocrisy. Like I said, one thing that 2020 has showed me, especially in politics, it's the hypocrisies on a whole nother level, man. These people don't leveled up in a sense where, okay, I can say all of this on the record and say, you can use this against me because it's either I'm naive and think people are stupid and didn't record it, or it's I'm just a man of no integrity. So I feel as though these people have showed their true colors and they really don't care. They make the rules. If I make the rules, I can break the rules. Mm-hmm. Shit, who's going to hold me accountable? And that's how it is with these bigots. It's like the bigots just feel as though we run this shit. I say whatever I want, when I want, to who I want. And what's going to be the repercussion? Absolutely nothing. Because all I do is switch it up on you again. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing I know a lot of us get flustered in is trying to explain Either why Colin Kaepernick was kneeling, what he was kneeling for, or what Black Lives Matter truly means. When in actuality, these people ain't deaf. They heard exactly what the person stated is they're doing it for, and they stated exactly what Black Lives Matter means. But the people still want to say, that's not it. Mm -mm, That's not it. You're saying Black Lives is above all, and it's the only thing that matters. Or Colin Kaepernick. It's kneeling because he hates this country and he hates the military. <laughs> everything, they can say what it, everything it means, but what the person stated what it means. If I'm the author of something and I tell you that's what it means, that's what it means. Yeah. But when Trump goes out and says something, no, that's not what he meant. This is what he meant. You know? Yeah. So how can, how can you interpret, I'm telling you what I mean and you're telling me that's not what I meant. Trump is telling you something, but you say, no, that's not what he meant. This is what he meant. Yeah. You see the games they play? Exactly, yeah. I'm not playing. These all lives matter people. F you too. This is how I feel. All lives matter, just like all men were created equal. We know exactly what the hell that meant. It did not include us. Exactly. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> I'm telling you, it's like straight up. It's like you're sitting up here playing tennis with these people. I'm not wasting my breath on them. I see them and I laugh. Mm-hmm. I see them and I laugh. And I just want that day to happen. I hope the cameras are rolling when someone wants to challenge me in that. 
in that type of setting, in a public setting, act is stupid. I want the cameras to roll. I actually want somebody to go live for it. <laughs> because I'm, I'm just waiting on that day. Because I just see these people. And I said, this, this got to be staged. Ain't no way on earth somebody would act this stupid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. It's a lot of stupidity, man. Yeah, I mean, I know... I, I know I'm like trivializing it, but honestly, that's how I feel about it. No, nah, it's, it's the truth, though. Like, I threw that in there just because it's like, I guess it gives a little levity to the conversation, but it's also a reality that we face when these kind of cases come up. You get people that come on there and they automatically criminalize the person mm-hmm. with no kind of facts. Or anything, mm-hmm. so it's like it's like you, you like. Do I say something to these idiots, or do I just move on from it? Because it's like either either way, you're gonna have a headache at the end of the day, because the stupidity is like it has no bounds. It's like, and that's like it's like I just don't I don't know. I don't, like I said, the whole, when you want to criminalize, and when you're talking of criminalizing, are you talking about someone that's still here or someone that's been departed from here? Either or, because sometimes, like, with, even with Breonna Taylor, I've seen a comment where I think it's, it's a comedian, was it, it might have been Tony, Tony Baker on Instagram. He posted something about Breonna Taylor or something. And somebody was on his comments and said, well, she she shouldn't have been doing what she was doing out of her house and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, when was that even, when was it ever proven that she was doing anything when they already had the person that they were after before this all went down? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, they make, they make dumbass statements to try to justify why stuff happened. But then they make up to, lies. Yeah. It ain't, it's a lie. Yeah, you get, they, they tell lies and then you hit them with facts. And then mm-hmm. they try to say that your facts don't matter. Yeah, it, it's like, like they say, like they're saying goes. No one knows who's a, who, who's a fool from a distance. That's why you shouldn't argue with one, mm-hmm. honestly. And like I said, they they practice this, or these people are. I I don't want to call nobody out, but it's like these are like these people are special cases, man. And we know how once you're an adult, everybody's in the mix together. But we know how they handle these people in school. Mm-hmm. They they put them in the closet, and <laughs> these people are <laughs> now out in the open to where they can just say whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's what it is. It's like these people, they just feel that they have a voice and everyone feels that their opinion matters. And I just, I'm just over it. It's like, I'm over it. Honestly, I'm over the whole thing of, why do mm-hmm. I, why do I need to prove to you why why, how I feel, why I feel this way, why I have 
gaining PTSD by seeing images of people that look like me being murdered left and right. Why do I have to sit up and have this dialogue with you and have you see it my way? When your way, you're already convinced that anybody that's, that doesn't look like you is a criminal, bottom line. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Breonna Taylor, well, there's no way on earth. And I get this. I've heard this from people that I've grown up with. There's no way on earth somebody would just kill somebody like that unless they did something. Because they seriously believe, like, the police officers are, like, holier than thou and can't make a mistake like that. And if they did something, it's within justification. Like you said, we've seen that that um, that coon out there, attorney general, we've seen him make statements about it was justified in what the police did. And everyone wants to say it's their job and this, that, Guess what? It is a job. This is what people don't understand. It's a job. Just because you have a job doesn't mean you do a good job at your job. Mm -hmm. And until people start treating um, policing like they do any other job, I can go to a fast food restaurant and there's a bunch of people in there. They all have a job. There's some people that take it more serious than others. It's like saying, oh, this person's a doctor. Just because they're a doctor doesn't mean they're a good doctor. We've seen that. You can see ratings of this. Maybe there should also be, go back to your other question, maybe they need to implement a, a rating system for police officers. You know what I mean? Because um, most of these police officers that are in the mix, I know, especially with the Eric Garner situation, this cop had a history of beating the hell out of people, man. But what happens disciplinary-wise? I know if that happened at my job where I've had so many demerits or such against me, I'm unemployed. So how is it as a police officer, I don't know if they have, well, you know what, if you have X amount within a six-month time, then, yeah, we have to do something. But guess what? If you hit that seven-month, it's going to reset. Maybe they have something like that because I don't understand how people, these police officers have rap sheets. This is what it is. It's a rap sheet. Because they'll call it anybody else outside of policing, they'll call it a rap sheet. So these police officers have rap sheets, but their superiors do nothing because guess what? It's like a cult. It's like a fraternity. It's a brotherhood. Once a cop, always a cop. I got your back. You got my back. That's that, that's that mentality. Mm-hmm. And it's like, once you see that, guess what? If you want to look at it from a biblical sense, you had Cain and Abel. We know what the outcome of that was. So. Mm-hmm. Just because you're my brother, you have a brotherhood, doesn't mean that you're a good person. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And when wrong, is, when wrong is done, there needs to be some accountability. It shouldn't be a cover-up. Because you're no different than somebody going out shooting up a neighborhood and you talking about the community. Who, who did it? Come on. Let us know who did it. Well, we can't help you if you guys don't speak up. Now you know exactly what it's about. Because guess what? All these people, the, the three cops that shot up Breonna Taylor's house, not one of them spoke out and said, yo, man, I think this is wrong. No, because their defense was we were being shot at. Or just people that stood on um, George Floyd's neck while the others just watched. Didn't, not one time did somebody intervene and say, okay, that's enough. Just stand up. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. 
It's the same thing. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And if you can't see that and want to say, hey, these police are justified in what they do, then I just hope that it, yeah, man, you know what? I hope that it happens to somebody in your family. And maybe you'll get the point then. Because it seems like until it hits home, you don't care. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it was. They, mm-hmm. choose, they choose not to see what's not was um, not right in front of their face. Mm. Yeah, man. So, uh, jumping back to the um, the Coon Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, um, he chose politics and approval over doing the right thing. Uh, he is a prime example of every brother ain't a brother. So as a community, when we encounter people like this, how should we proceed? Should we proceed with people like that? Yeah. Because there's some there's some that's on that uh we gotta forgive and this and that, but well well you know and I know people like that ain't gonna be nowhere near nowhere nowhere near the people that they locking up. And I say that as a means of just, just being straight up with it. These type of people, we would have to have people in in places and positions to where they make it miserable for somebody like that. Like protesting outside that man's house day in and day out until he he moves, until he feels as though, hey, it's not safe for me. And um, we just have to make the point be known that, hey, this ain't going to happen. And the the biggie is, look at all this outcry against this guy. There's an election. I don't know when the election is up for him. I don't know how, when he just took that seat and when he's up for re-election. But these people, how, how is it they're able to sit in these positions for X amount of years? And then they do stuff like this that we complain about, but then they get reelected. Like people like Mitch McConnell. So many of us don't like him, but yet he's been sitting there forever. Mm-hmm. So I, this is where I'm confused. Is it is it really these many people that don't like this man, or is it just what the news is focusing on, the, the, the outcries of the people? And it, a majority of America loves these types of people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if we want to see those type of people, those type of people, they're not part of the community. So we can't say that they, what do we do with them in the community? He may have relatives, but those type of people, like Clarence Thomas and him, they've long, they, they've already exited. And they don't see themselves as part of the community. They see themselves as part of another community and they feel as though that's their rightful place and that's where they want to be anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's not <laughs> right. These Uncle Ruckus people, man, it's not until basically it's not until the people that's using them have used them up that they throw them back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they say, there's no retirement plan for a coon, man. Yeah. Honestly. 
So once they used up, like Candace Owens, I think she done been used up, man. Mm-hmm. Now she beefing with Cardi B. It ain't even about it ain't even about <laughs> politics at this point. Cause she don't Trump didn't use her. She she wanted Trump to call her there to talk. People gassing her up, her audience all like, yeah, you need to run for some type of office. No, you did his dirty work. He's like, okay, you said what I need you to say. No, you ain't coming on my forum and saying it, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, she, so she, now, she didn't even get an invite to the RNC, right? Right. That's what, that's what, and she's pissed about it. Yeah. So that's why I said she, she's taking that anger out on Cardi B. <laughs> so she went from, she went from going all about Trump to fighting rappers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, she, she's at that point. So you have these people at these points where they just got to find another use for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, Unfortunately, the people that's using them have more control over their destiny than we do is saying, yo, we done with you. Like Amorosa. The minute Amorosa fell out, I think it was like shows like D.L. Hughley or, or Steve Harvey. They were jumping on interviewing her and all this. Wait a minute. Why are y'all entertaining her? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's our Achilles heel. We we too forgiven. Welcome back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Welcome back. Oh yeah, tell us about this, that, and the third. It's like Latoya Jackson. Remember how Latoya Jackson was back in the day? Mm-hmm. She would leave. She would leave the Jackson family, then talk shit on them. Yeah. Then the minute her husband beat her ass, she ran back to him. Yeah. And they opened arms, and then she she turned on him again and did the same thing. Yeah. And and that's what we do. That's what we do, man. It's like we keep welcoming welcoming these people. We welcome them back. So you got people, honestly, you had somebody like Herman Kane. He's a prime example. Prime example. Herman Kane went there, went to bat for Trump, man. Then he went to his damn um Rally. Was it one of his rallies? Yeah. Went there without no mask to prove a point. End up getting coronavirus. End up dying. I'm still waiting to hear Trump acknowledge the man dying. He not. He <laughs> he, he 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 dead now. So he, he got his use out. Purpose. Exactly. So I, <laughs> these fools don't know. They don't know, man. Focus, man. That's that's mm-hmm. the main thing we gotta do though. We can't we can't accept nobody back. Like once you once you you know go over there and want to sit at that table, you no longer have a seat at our table. Like you can't just come back when you all used up. Yeah. And you know that's a very good point when you said that you can't go sit at that table and then come back. I'm trying to think when's it ever been on the flip side. To where someone's come to our table and then went over there. I'm trying to think of a time in history to when this was done. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. Honestly, I can't. I'll, I'll probably have to research it, but I can't think of a time. Terry Crews. Because <laughs> Terry, Terry Crews was um, very much accepted 
and loved by the black community for a long time. And then like 2020 hit. And, <laughs> and this 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 muscle bound coon then he he left us. He left he left over here and went right over there. It was like, I like that bag over there, so I'ma soft shoot my big ass over here. But I wanna know when somebody from their table left their table and came to chill with us. Mm. Bill Clinton. <laughs> Why? Because he played a saxophone? That's that's what that's what got for you. He played a saxophone on our Arsenio Hall. That's <laughs> all Bill Clinton did for black folks. Yeah, and they, they, they had a nerve to be like, oh, yeah, he, he the first black president. Right? I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's all it takes. That's all it be taking. They, oh, he played a saxophone. Oh, and he was on Arsenio Hall. Oh, he got some soul. <laughs> right? And then, oh, let's not get back. Let's not get down to stereotypes because he cheated on his wife. Right. They was like, oh, he definitely one of us. I'm like, all right, y'all suck ass motherfucker. Then he was smoking weed, right? Yeah. But then, yeah. then he said he dead in hell or something. <laughs> something, yeah, something so stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That was yep. one time he came, sat at the table, and was writing crime bills and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black but everybody, everybody sitting there. They got his food, but he, he, he was invited. That's that's the thing. We talked, we touched on this in the earlier episode mm-hmm. about that inviting people just to the cookout, like for little dumb stuff, like oh they can do this dance. Oh yeah, come to the cookout. You get a plate. I'm <laughs> like yo, y'all keep inviting these people, man. Y'all y'all inviting like you know children horses. That's a, that's a fact. Yeah, and that's why I'm like, it's. I mean, it's all cool and all to want to want to have allies and stuff like that, but don't force it. Right. You got. You got. When it comes to allies, you gotta have people that's ten toes down. That that's proving themselves. You can't have them just do one thing. That we we feel is for the culture. <laughs> then you'd be like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, that's an ally, right? No, that don't make somebody an ally. It takes it takes a lot more. Yeah, that's that's not even an invitation. That's just an open invite to all at that point. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, like you said, what what have you done to prove that you are an ally? And then the minute they they do something, then people be like, well, who invited us? <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> like, you all did. <laughs> right. So, yeah. It's a trip, man. Yeah. It's a trip. I mean, Malcolm, Malcolm warned us about the liberal man, the liberal white, the white man. He definitely mm-hmm. warned us. He said, that's the one you need to watch. And it's, it's a fact, man. Even in personal life, I've, I've seen it. You know what I'm saying? It's like you, you, you see those types of people who would think, oh, yeah, they just said, like growing up, this is how naive I was, man. Growing up, I used to think, oh, if a person was a Democrat, 
oh, that means they care about black folks. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's because it's like the way, in, in a sense, it's the way we were raised to think. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, Democrats is looking out for our best interests. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they, they can relate and they care for my experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And now it's like, the older I got, I've become, it's like, since like the Obama era, it's like stuff just started to hit me. Boom, boom, boom. And it, it came to a point to where I was just like, nah, man, it ain't all these Democrats. Mm-mm. Something about Hillary Clinton. I voted for because I, I can't stand Trump. I didn't think he had no sense. I'm, I, I'm still right on that. But <laughs> I just always would tell people like, Hillary Clinton, if I had to, this is, this is how I look at my, when I'm voting for president. If I had to report directly to that person, do I think they have you know, my best interest? Hillary Clinton just looked like a two-faced B-I-T-C-H, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> she, she just looked like that, that one that smiles and then you turn your back, you know, she puts on that fake smile. Mm-hmm. And this is what it is. It's like Democrats, I feel, is like that. They're just pretenders. And like I said, it's just gotten to the point where it's played out. It's the same thing. And a lot of us are saying it now. It's like, all right, what are you bringing to the table for us? Mm-hmm. And then the Republicans eat off of it to where they're like, yeah, see, they're not doing nothing for you. And it's more or less like that, what Trump is saying. What do you got to lose? Try me. No, to hell with you. You ain't even trying. Yeah. You just saying shit. You just <laughs> saying, look at what they ain't doing as, as a way to like dismiss what you ain't doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's all that the Republicans are doing. So it's like, None of y'all give a fuck. Yeah, it's like it's like the overt versus the covert racism. Exactly. And it's like exactly. it's like you can you can see when the when the overt racist, you can see what they doing, mm-hmm. how they how they coming at you, but the covert ones, them sneaky bastards, they be the ones that do you in. <laughs> yep, indeed. That's exactly what it is, and it's like. We have to deal with this, and it just—I don't know. We just—we just in the middle, man. We in the middle until we until we decide. Hey, we need to agree. And it's like I know you and I were discussing off off um, camera. We was discussing this, and it's like, when are we gonna stop with these sub subgroups? This division amongst us where we have to subdivide us. We have to break ourselves down to the, eventually it's gonna be like, oh, your last name's Johnson, mine's Smith. Therefore, we can't even, nah. We're literally breaking it down to that grand, you know, that granular to, is where it's, you're never gonna get anything accomplished. Yeah. It's like, all right, to help with political affiliations, to help with religion, to help with, sexual orientation mm-hmm. we're talking you know this from a, a basic race situation to where it doesn't matter which any of the above i just said to help with but we're all experiencing this and this is what we need to focus on mm-hmm. this is the only way things will improve if you're saying you want equal rights then you have to throw that other shit out the door because at the end of the day before any of that the minute you come out of your mom's body, the world is judging you just based off of what you look like. Exactly. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's what it boils down to. Yeah. That's it is. It's visual. Mm-hmm. As soon as we want, we can walk into a room. You'll start getting like looks. Just for just for walking into the room, just for being you. Exactly. And and all those all those subgroups I just mentioned. It don't matter because you have to express all of that. Mm-hmm. That's something you have to express. Oh, what religion are you? No one can walk in. Well, I guess you can say by depending upon your religion, your religious attire, because there is religious attire, mm-hmm. I guess, or even sexual orientation. You know what? Sexual orientation now. <laughs> People's clothes can be a giveaway, but nine times out of ten, though, you have to declare that for people to know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you don't have to declare what race you are as far as in the United States of America. Ethnicity is a different story. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But we're talking about when it comes to racial dynamics within here. and everything that we're fighting for that our ancestors have fought for to try and get. And I feel as though that's where we need to maintain the focus. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with you. It's a trip. Mm. All right. So to wrap it up, one more question. Um, So what next steps should we as a people to try to make sure that we are no longer viewed as easy targets that can be gunned down by cops without any justice being served? That's that's a heavy question because it's like there's ways to approach it. There's different ways. There's acceptable ways by some and there's unacceptable ways in terms of dealing with stuff like that. Um, I guess it depends on your perspective. There are some people that believe in the love that enemy turn the other cheek method mm-hmm. to where they'll say, you know what, I'll pray for them. I'll pray for my enemy. And I will pray and pray until eventually God overtakes their soul and they become a good person. Now, I don't know how long you have to wait for that to occur. But I'm willing to bet most people wouldn't fall into that category. Mm-hmm. So um I feel as though I feel as though people just you need to I put it like this. When when the police are attacked, how do they respond? Mm. You, see what I'm, you see where I'm getting at, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> if the police are attacked, not even shot at, not even killed, if they're just attacked, boom, it's like a swarm of bees. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They all say, you know what, to hell with this. I ain't going to sleep tonight. We're going to get this person. Let alone someone that shoots and kills. Officer down, officer killed. Boom, all units. It don't matter what district you in. Mm-hmm. It don't matter what county you in. 
everybody responds prompt. So when this occurs, when this occurs, occurs for us, the message I've been seeing is what Brother Malcolm said as far as most um, unprotected species is the, the black female. She's not protected, especially the black female. There needs to be, I'll put it like this. You know how historically how the white female was coddled and if you look at even the movies up until today in all the movie scenarios, there's always the white female that's cherished and that needs to be protected, right? This is what we need to have for our sisters. Our sisters who happen to be our mothers, our aunts, our daughters, our sisters. We need to have it to where people say, you better think twice before doing that. You know what's gonna, you know what that's gonna cause. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think it's um, to the point where a couple statements need to be made. Um, I posted something. Shem Kuti, Brother Kuti's son, had just um, quoted. What's his name? Francis. I can't think of his last name. He's orthodox. His quote was, the day you decide to become your oppressor's enemy, is the day you've decided to no longer be his victim. And that's the stance we need to make. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I'm not gonna sit up here, I know that's the mentality today, it's like everyone's talking about, I'm a victim of this, I'm a victim of that. No, not anymore. I'm, I'm not a victim no more. <laughs> I'm a fighter of that, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And we're gonna make it to where you can't touch them. Just like you have the mafia who would say, this person's off, they're off guard. You, you can't touch them. You can't touch them. We need to make it to where our females, we need to. We need some laws and regulations back. We need to bring that back into play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like the people in the organized crime, that's all good and well. But I'm talking about the everyday person like you and me. So where we make it to where in public we see something go down, we stand in and we got our back. We be like, all right, sister, I got your back. Do what you need to do. Say what you need to say. I got your back. Mm -hmm. So that you feel safe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It can no longer be, well, I don't know her. That's her problem. I see that stance all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's not right. It's not right. Because, like I said, for somebody... If you're a real man, why would you allow a female in your presence to be abused? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think I think we just need to send that message home. I think um, there needs to be a universal agreement upon, okay, this is how we handle this. If this is the case, even if you need to announce it, even if she's in the wrong, because guess what? That's something I can talk to her afterwards. Even if she's in the wrong, I'm going to still defend it like, hey, yo, don't even think about it. 
if you see somebody want to get violent, mm-hmm. it don't matter if it's, it don't matter who it is. Let it be somebody that looks like me and they think they're going to put their hands on a female. You know what I mean? Yeah. It ain't going to be. And I think once that, once that's universally known, then people will start saying, no, they have a set of laws. Because one thing that I've learned, I've been watching some, what show is that? I don't know if you've seen, um, it's a show, it's called 60 Days In. And this is just from a uh, criminal mindset. Mm-hmm. Even, they say there's honor amongst thieves, right? Even in the prison system, with the gangs that are set up within the prison system, the most disorganized gang, if you want to call it a gang, is always us. They'll be like, oh, those are the blacks. And they really don't have anything in order. It's like mm-hmm. everybody does what they want to do. Whereas you'll have the whites, you'll have the Latinos, you'll have Asians. They all, they have a code mm-hmm. to which they live by. But with us, it's like, no, nah, I'm going to run my own thing. I'm going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. Once we throw that out the window and we have a code to which we abide by, people will have no choice but to respect it. And that's just how I feel. That's the only way. Once you, once you put that message out there, that once somebody sees you're in unity, you're in unison, they ain't going to mess with you. Yeah. That's like you and I walking, you and I, while they walking down the street or whatever, and people know, all right, yo, those, those three are like, they're together. I ain't going to try and rob them. Whereas you walking on this side of the street, you down there, you're not even paying attention, and they see me as a loner, they say, okay, I stand a chance of doing something without people intervening because it don't look like anyone's got my back. Mm-hmm. The minute you know someone has your back, you ain't going to mess with them. Yeah. That's just how it is. Even in nature, that's how it is. The lion will attack that gazelle that's by himself. Exactly. Yeah. Unity how, is big, man. That's how I feel, bro. No, that's yeah. I agree with everything you said. We, we definitely got to get on one and four. And I definitely, when it comes to like protecting our women, man, that's a priority always, man. I don't know when it got off track would not be in a priority for some people. But I'm like, I can't I can't be one of those people that just allow things to happen without mm-hmm. without stepping to because it's like if you just stand by or just pick up your phone and start recording, what what kind of man are you for real? Like seem like a little boy to me, grabbing a toy or something instead of <laughs> stepping in and doing what you're supposed to do handling business. So that's that's definitely thing one thing that we gotta get on one accord with. And then like like you said, we gotta we do gotta like come up with some some kind of code or something that everybody follows because it's like everybody in this mentality where everybody wants to be the leader. Everybody mm-hmm. can't be everybody not built to be a leader. Exactly. You may think so in your mind, but everybody's not built for it. Even leaders aren't always built to be leaders. But a lot of times, the, a leader emerges. Somebody that's just a common person that everybody has confidence in, and that person is uplifted. 
to that post. Because even look at look at Brother Malcolm. Brother Malcolm wasn't really seeking to be a leader. He was following, you know, the, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Because of how he spoke and the words he was saying, people propelled him to that leadership position that he didn't even want. And it put him at odds with the person that he looked to as a leader. So a lot of times the person the person who's put in that leadership position doesn't say, I'm the leader. Right. I'm the leader everybody. It's the people that makes that person the leader. So yeah, so you can't everybody can't be in that but be that, that egotistical feeling like, oh, I wanna lead. Everybody got their role to play. We just need to all understand that in our community. We gotta come together, get on that one page. And everybody needs to realize what your strengths is, what your weaknesses are, and move accordingly based on that. Where where one person may have a weakness, somebody that's strong in that area can help that person build that up to a strength. And vice versa. No doubt. We just gotta, you know, we say this all the time, one accord, man. That that's powerful. Like to be on one accord. You see other races do it effortlessly. Mm-hmm. They do it, they do it effortlessly. Like they do it with everything. Family, finances, community, everything. Businesses. Mm-hmm. They do it with no problem. But when it comes True. to us well, because of the conditioning and this this mentality that, you know. I don't I don't even know what it is. It's it's just it's crazy. But I was um listening to uh Zoe, Zoe show uh mansions and he had Dr. I think it's Dr. Renoko, Renuko. He was saying he, he he had a quote that um a lot of times people that don't know their history don't want to do better or can't do better because they don't realize where they come from. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of the people in our community don't take the time to realize that our people existed before slavery. They just think that we started with slavery and that's it. They don't realize the royalty that we come from and how much impact we had on the world and that we are the world. You know, every every group of people that has some kind of, you know, that, that looked down upon us actually started from us. Mm-hmm. Which, which is crazy if you think about it. But they'll deny it in a heartbeat. <laughs> deny it. You got, you know. But, but what do they say the black woman has? What they deem the Eve. I guess after the Bible, but that Eve gene, like, like I said, it's basic biology. They, they should know genetics. Black can produce all colors. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about needing to prove when you know the truth and the truth is right there for people to see. Why do you need to continuously try and prove 
that that's the truth when they know it's the truth. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah. No, no, you good. Mm-hmm. No, but yeah, that's true, man. It's, um, I don't know, man. It just comes down to wanting to be better, wanting to do better, and being tired of the status quo and moving beyond that. Exactly. As a unit. Exactly. And, and just to piggyback off what you were saying, um, yeah, once people realize um, it's like this, if you realize that this actually happened with me, like my uh, great, my great grandfather, uh, my, on my dad's side, Nigeria, when I went there for the first time, it's got a statue up, man. He's a warrior. It's got a statue up. My last name, go research it, and you'll see all these accomplishments this guy's done. And I had no clue. Like, literally, when I went there, I went to Nigeria, I came back. Yo, I said, yo, I got to step it up, man. This is where I come from. Mm-hmm. My, my grades shot up. Yo, my grades shot up, everything. And then um, I said, I'm going to do this. I always strive for the best I could be at that point. But it gave me like a sense of pride and joy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just, just to know that, okay, it's just not, unfortunately, on my turn, my maternal side, I don't, like the rest of us, I don't know exactly where we come from as far as we can find out through DNA exactly maybe what region, mm-hmm. but that's about it. But where does the story, where does it go from? Because mm-hmm. I've, I've asked, I really haven't heard much more than up to a town, but I don't know where we come from you know, beyond that point and what the stories are behind, you know, my ancestors. But just to know that on my paternal side, it gave me like a sense of pride and joy. And then to hear it from other people, that's like, oh yeah, when they hear the name, my last name, they'll tell me, oh yeah, you know, your great grandfather was such and such. Boom, boom, he did this, 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 that. And it's like, yo, wow. That's just, it just blows your mind. You know what I'm saying? That's powerful. I'm telling you. And like I said, what you just said, like I said, that that really hit home. It's because it's like, it's the truth though. It's like, you stop settling. And it's like, yo, I got, I got an image to uphold. Mm-hmm. I got a, I just can't settle. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I just feel as though, like you said, once people know that history, Know that point of origin. Even if you don't know the full story, just knowing that for you to be here, your ancestors fought hard. And for you to just settle for to be mediocre, what is what kind of respect and how much is that pain? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I think if people realize that um yeah, every step they're taking 
they're taking the steps within the footprints of their ancestors. If they realize that the, their ancestors is with them every day, like they, I think people would take more pride mm-hmm. in what they do because they will realize like the amount of responsibility that we each have, and that, that you know we we have a purpose, whether you realize it or not. But we all we all have a purpose and a reason to be here. You just have to you know realize it and you know try to like me personally um i strive to try to you know make my ancestors proud as well as my living family and everything so that's what drives me Mm -hmm. but some people don't have that same drive and it's unfortunate because it brings it brings you to such clarity about what's going on in your day to day and how you need to navigate. Because I think that's the problem with a lot, of, a lot of people in our community, they don't have that clarity. So they're trying to find their way and they're navigating through all these obstacles and bumpy roads where if they had that focus and they had to, you know, choose to vibrate on a higher level, higher, higher frequency, because mm-hmm you know that your ancestors are with you and you mm. got you got the spirits and everything and you got the warrior spirits in you and stuff like that. When you when you choose to follow down that path and you realize what you come from, you don't make the same mistake that you once made before you had that clarity. That's a fact. <clears throat> That's a fact. And I think you, you know what clouds, I mean, this is, this is my personal opinion. The views I speak on ain't shared by nobody else but me. But what, what I feel, what clouds that, that whole sense of, hey, let me do this for my ancestors is, religion we were taught and it's like because we're taught that this person died for our sins and the reason that we're in the place we are now so we have this we have this narrative painted to where it's not anybody that necessarily looks like me or related to me Mm -hmm. but it's this religious figure that did all of this and made it possible for me. Not what my mama did, my dad did, my great grandfather did. Therefore, there's no sense of connecting on like a, on a relative path in a divine way there is, the way it's put out there, but like not, not in a bloodline sense. You know what I'm saying? And I feel as though that's what takes away. When you mention John Smith or Christos Columbus or whatever, people related to him can say, oh, I was related to this person or I was related to Ben Franklin. They can take pride in that. And they can say, see, I come from a line of people that do A, B, and C. 
Whereas we were put here and who do we relate to? Who do we say, this is what I come from, therefore that's why I'm here? No, the only thing we can do is put it in a religious stance where I'm here because whatever religion put it here, put me in this position to where, you know, the people that come before me, you're not even the most practical because you know you got here through some type of way, but the most practical way, you're not even giving credit to those who were involved, you know, mm-hmm. with it being possible for you to be here. Yeah. You can give all glory and praise to God, but at the same time, God put you in a family and you can acknowledge your family, but we're taught differently. Since we've been put here religiously, this is what they've ingrained. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, I put that disclaimer out there because I don't want to, you know, make that about the show, but I'm just saying, it's like, I just feel as though that's part of the biggest reason why this is why it just keeps being pushed and it's like, all right, I've always, you know, and growing up in the church, they'll tell you, oh, that's ancestral worship. Oh, that's that's not what we do. It's not a sense of worshiping your ancestors. It's you giving thanks to your ancestors. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's you acknowledging them. Is that so wrong? You see what I'm saying? That's spiritualism. Mm-hmm. That's our roots. We're all connected. Exactly. exactly. Because energy, they say, you learn it. Energy never dies. Mm. It just transfers. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I've been reading, I think you got the same book, Knowledge Yourself, like mm-hmm. 5% Nation or stuff like that. I think they're on the song when they say that, um, I'm, I'm, I don't remember like word for word, but it's pretty much like that the, the men are the gods and women out of earth. Mm-hmm. They're on to some because it, think about how the earth works. Everything, yep. It, it grows, it develops things, it's life. The nutrients, et cetera, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Everything that a woman does. Mm-hmm. And then even in the, the holy books, they always say man is in the image of what? God. Mm-hmm. So if you if people choose to go back and read the original Bible mm-hmm. that was that was so closely related to where it came from African spiritualism, you will get the true translations and see who God really is. But that's for another episode in the future. We'll we'll dive more into that. No doubt. Uh, um yeah, to wrap up this episode, man, it's um get back on topic. It's, it was unfortunate for um how these charges were, were handed down, but you know, it's been a common theme like this for years and years and years, man. And um something's gotta give, man, but you know, just rest in power to Breonna Taylor and um Thoughts and prayers out to um, her family. 
Um, you know, on that note, thank y'all for joining us for another episode of the Liberated Mind Show. Um, tune in next time. And until then, you know, one accord, one love. Peace. Peace. Looking for hope, but they still waiting. And I implore you to never give up. And like Pac said, uh, keep your head up. And when you're back up against the wall, keep your boots to the ground and stand tall. Hold on and be strong.